you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. So, of any place that we've been, Stone, this is, I pose you a question. Of any place we've been in America and in Europe, you have to be quiet so you can hear the question. Of any place we've been, if you could move to one, where would you move? And don't don't feel biased to answer. Um, I think I'd move to Holland. Not here. This place sucks, but someplace up north. And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and today is the third installment of the 30 year anniversary of some of the 1992 shows that we're running in the month and what we've been doing the last two weeks we did den hog which is a very popular show and then we did tavoli in utrecht where everybody knows tavoli because of the t-shirt so we got to get into the show where you got to see why he chose the Tivoli shirt, and it was very interesting. And and today kind of is the capper of all this, and we're doing the last Holland show in this run from Rotterdam. And it's very interesting because I think that what we'll get into in just a second is that the band left Holland almost a different way that they came in. But we'll discuss that. How about right now? Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. Let's start with that that point. What do you think about the statement I just made? Huh. Yeah, it's interesting because this is such an interesting time for them. And they know that's kind of the reason that we devoted this whole month to doing these. Because they go over and play, you know, their first European shows. Then they kind of do a whirlwind kind of thing around Europe. And then they spend a few days in the U.K., then they doing these shows in Holland. Then they go to Germany and do five shows. And then they come back and immediately do Unplugged. So all these shows, like we've talked about before, how 10 was a slow burn. And like it had been out for six months. It had just been released in the UK. But they went over there in different circumstances than when they would come back. Like they would be much, much bigger band when they came back than when they left. So you're kind of seeing that develop at these shows and they're kind of finding their feet and they're getting reports of things and the shows are getting a little crazier. And we, you know, we've talked a lot about, 
you know, people stage diving and MTV and all that stuff at these shows. But the thing that, that hit me every night is that they're still just seems so excited to be just playing for people. And like Ed especially just seems so excited on every single song. That's the main thing I think that I've gotten out of these is just the youthful like exuberance of just playing and going at it. Like, and you know, over the next year, you would start to see some of the wear and tear and some of the, the jadedness start to creep in and stuff like that. And they would be a different band. But at this point, they're breaking like they're about to hit the peak right now. Yeah, you're right. Like, I think it was still kind of all pretty fresh to them. And for Ed, it was super fresh because he never really got out of San Diego to do this. So getting to go overseas in general was really important for him. And then for Stone and Jeff, they obviously thought that they would be there a little bit earlier than they had been because Mother Love Bone, when Apple was going to come out, they were going to go do big tours and and things like that was a big deal. So it's a big deal for them that so shortly after all that unfortunately happened, they're in this position where they can enjoy playing music again. Because I think it's been mentioned that Jeff almost quit, that he didn't really want to be a part of it. But, you know, we flash forward to this time period and sort of what's happening in Holland. And, and really, a lot of it is they really enjoy the location they enjoy being in the country they enjoyed amsterdam when they played that earlier in february they obviously enjoyed tivoli as as you know about the t-shirt and it seemed like everywhere they went in holland they felt comfortable and i think that's really important going forward because they're starting to feel like the crowd is into this and the crowd is passionate about them and then you're right when you mentioned they go home They do Unplugged, and it's off to the races, and they came home a completely different band. They're playing places like Minneapolis and Chicago, and then guys like U2 are going to watch them and scout them to see if they want to use them as an opener. Like, they feel pretty legitimized at this point. And then the singles are working, the singles are hitting really well, and then before the summer even comes, they are top of the list right next to nirvana as the american bands that were going on so yeah it's kind of a transitional period and it's sort of the calm before all the storm that they can be there and enjoy their surroundings and enjoy the 500 person venues because it's really not going to happen a lot after this unless it's a very special occasion that period was ending fairly soon and to be able to be in a place and kind of enjoy some relative anonymity too, like a luxury that they wouldn't have again until the 2010s mm-hmm. where they can kind of go places and people will be cool about it. But talking about spending a day off here and a day off here, like they couldn't do that in 1993, 1994, 1995, because they'd just be mobbed like they were superstars. So this is kind of like they're getting to enjoy it. You're kind of getting a little bit of a delay where like, yes, they're becoming very popular, but they're in Holland. So they can still do some normal things without being recognized by everyone on the street. Yeah, I I think that's just sort of the lore. And one of the cool facets about the band is that they kind of have this history and you can kind of feel the story kicking in. And that's why I really wanted to do these because it's just it's telling their story. It's an exciting time. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's one that I think that everybody kind of looks back to and they're like, I I wish that I could have lived this and I could have been in one of those crowds where they were stage diving and where they were playing 10 songs at their fullest potential. Yeah, 
I can see all that. And, you know, and sometimes I think on the show, even we sometimes in a row, like, oh, we've gotten this song three weeks in a row. Like, I'm kind of tired of that. I'm ready to move on to something. But, like, there's so much going on at these shows. Yeah, we've had this will be the third week in a row where we're going to talk about a lot of the same songs. Of course, yeah. But, but it's still exciting, and there's still a lot of stuff to talk about, and it's still very interesting and very exciting. So that just goes to show you, too, that, like, we're not bored of these songs yet. Like, this is the third week in a row, and this is still a very good show. Yeah, and in this one, I think kind of as opposed to the last two that we did, they were essentially very much the same set list until you got to the encore or until you got to one or two songs in the end of the main set. But this one is completely switched around, so you kind of feel where they're going with this, what other things they want to try. And to know that they aren't doing the same thing every night, that they're like, okay, we did that twice, let's go to another playbook. I think that's a really cool facet too, that even that early, they weren't sticking to a solid formula. They were just, right. okay, whatever we're feeling that night, once will go where even flow did. And then Jeremy will go a little further down and, and state will go further up and they just find ways to make all this work. You know, we had an oceans opener, we had a release opener and now we get a different opener here. That's very cool. Yeah, that's one of the things I noted with this opener as well, that we're able to kind of get the trilogy of them, which is really nice. What I will say is that the last episode, there was a lot of stage diving, a lot of (laughs) people on stage, and it got a little embarrassing towards the end with with the hippie parade and all that. And this show, right from the beginning, and we'll get into right from the beginning, as we mentioned last week, Ed should have just been straightforward in what they wanted and deal with it and see if the crowd would take it the right way. And in this show, he does, which is very good. Yes. And if you love shenanigans at Pearl Jam shows, (laughs) this this is one of the all-time great shows for hijinks and shenanigans. And things like that. And we're going to get to make an official correction from the 5H Live Footsteps universe. We're going yeah. to be able to, to set the record straight on this show. So that's exciting, too. We we are. And it's kind of an unfortunate thing because, yes, looking at this set list, I saw this song and no other set list had this song. And I was very excited to get into it. And then when I find out it's not exactly the song, it kind of bummed me out a little bit. I don't know if that's going <laughs> to take me away from the show. But, yeah, we wanted it. And there, there is yeah. a good story to tell. It's not like it's not here. It is here. We will talk about it a little bit. And it's kind of part of the band's history, too. So why don't we just get into the show? Why don't we just start talking about it? Because that's kind of what we're here to do, right? Sounds good to me. Some very odd Dutch flute orchestra-sounding music is happening before <laughs> the band takes the stage. As opposed to the music that would come on at the end. What I did notice was that the night before in Eindhoven... And we'll get to kind of talking about the Eindhoven show and why that was sort of an outlier of this Holland bunch. But he got out on stage right away and said, cut the music, let's just get to this. And I thought that was interesting because I kind of thought after hearing this at this show, I kind of thought, oh, he's probably going to do it here. But he didn't do it here. Obviously, different show. He wants to set a different landscape for it. But Ed likes to address the audience right before, it's very short, but likes to address the audience right before things start. But even in this spot, he's addressing Eindhoven. He says, Rotterdam, last night was a little weird. It's really good to have a new start on life. And this one is for Sylvie. We mentioned the Holy Trinity of 1992 openers here. We did Oceans first, then we did Release last week. This one is Wash. 
part about Wash is always when it can build into that big moment at the end and you know the drums get a little heavier the guitars kind of strum a little bit harder and Ed just starts going off and he starts screaming I always thought that that moment is one of the best parts of Wash and I thought that this version was a very good example of that Yes, Jeff and Stone especially, listening to them, watching them on the build part, like after that first verse where it kind of ramps up a little bit, like just watching them kind of mold that and kind of guide that build. Very, very cool. Yeah, I thought this was a really, really good version to watch. Ed screws up the lyrics. I think he goes to the line too early. What's clean is pure. Yeah. Yeah, but still very good. I think he even noticed and like kind of made a little face like, oh, I fucked that one up, but this is very good like we talked about oceans being maybe the best oceans of all time and i'm not going to go that far on this watch but very very good yeah i won't either i I think it's good but i don't think it kind of stands with a lot of the different watches that are out there i don't know if you notice this ed's doing this kind of dance during it and have you seen the gif of ed dancing he's kind of doing this weird sort of I wouldn't call kind it kind of a hippie-ish thing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's sort of acid trivia, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's probably the most famous one of that dancing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that before? I think so. Yeah, it's it's basically the same dance. That but that one's taken from a more recent show. And he's oh yeah, doing kind yeah. Of the, the you same thing. Yeah, yeah. I you know I was actually thinking because when that happened and it immediately clicked in my head, I was kind of thinking, what show is that from? Because I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. You would, you would think it'd have to be something semi-important for a lot of people to be watching it and be like, oh, yeah, that's a moment that we can clip. If you know the answer to that, write in. Live yeah. on podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you because there's a few kind of mysteries from the show that we'd like to sort of figure out. But we'll get there when we get there. After Wash, Ed, as I mentioned right away is just going to be straightforward with the crowd. Let's just talk for one second before we really kick in here because last night, a lot of, in the last few nights, a lot of people have been getting hurt and it's taken away from the music, okay? And um, the, the stage level is like right about the, the size of right, right where people's necks are at. And I'm really nervous a few heads are going to just come rolling freely, unattached to the stage. Okay? So everybody right here, an ocean, a sea of people, and a sea of waves is a good thing. Just keep it in the sea. No no waves coming up on stage. I think that it made the viewing experience for this show so much more pleasant to go through and not having to worry about Ed getting distracted by people trying to high-five him or put their arms around him or or whatnot. You know, Jeff not worrying about his bass pedals getting mixed up with. And and even with the band kind of knowing that the the crowd was going to adhere to these rules that they set forth, they were able to use all that energy and they felt comfortable just spreading that and having more room to do all that. It lasts for about half the show. And then yeah, it, but it's not its yeah. not terrible like the last two were. It, true, it's like true. in and out a little bit, but it's its nowhere near as close. And it, did, it, did it sound like there was some booing when he said that? Like some people were like, Didn't it sounded notice, like but there might have be been some kind of, some people going like, boo, like a little bit of that asshole mentality in the show. Of like, no, we want to we want to stage dive and jump on people. Like it sounded like there was, there was some of that in this, in this crowd. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I didn't catch it, but... Maybe that seven-foot guy that shows up later. 
that's a story that's another mystery he wants to solve yes that's the one i would think that of course you know they're there to kind of party and then i think after he said that i think maybe the crowd's like okay let's just stay here and enjoy the show and when they are there to enjoy the music then they're like whoa this is great why did i just want to play around all day you know what i mean so i think they i think they fell in line pretty quickly after that once is the next one and while ed got the important thing out of the way early which he failed to do it to Voli, this is a good thing and again the band has room they have room to jump around and a lot of what the show is outside of like the song sounding pretty good is just watching the energy on stage ed bouncing around tripping over jeff and tripping over his mic wire and Jeff and Stone jam together, like everything's tight and they seem just confident to be there, that they know they're not getting interruptions or anything like that. Yeah, Wash Into Once is, again, not something that I would normally think of being good, but it, it works pretty well here. And the thing I noticed too is that it's almost like an echo. The reverb is so high up on, on the vocals when, he, when he's yelling, Once! Then you well, that there's was like the, a little echo to it. That was the thing that we were talking about the last yeah. couple of weeks with release yeah. and garden and a couple of those songs. I think yeah. it did happen on once in, in the Denon show. Very, very heavy here. A little bit distracting. I was trying to catch if it was echoing like the whole verse, but it's almost you know, like, does someone else have a microphone? Like, is someone doing a backup vocal? Almost wanted to be like, oh, well, of course, that's Matt doing that. But of course, it's not because <laughs> he wasn't in the band at that point. Right. The other funny thing that kind of ties is, you know, he goes around, you know, I got nothing to say. Ufadalma, he's learned his pronunciation's getting better. It's not Ufaduma, it's Ufadalma now, which mm-hmm. I guess is more closer to the original, probably. So we get a little bit of the Ufaduma, Ufadalma back a little bit, the, the goddammit. Proper in, Dutch. Uh, in Dutch there, yeah. Yeah. And won't be the last time here either, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love you, goddammit, I think. Beautiful phrase to use in that kind of place, so... And after once, just exuberant, just says, this feels better already. And then you get into even flow again. Like, you're able to see a little bit of the crowd in even flow, and the energy is just spread out there. And you can just see just people, you know, jumping around. And, and some people are kind of trying to mosh a little bit, which is, which is fine. It didn't seem like there was any threat of danger at all. But everybody is just having the time of their life in the crowd. And everybody's having their time of their life on the stage, too. Yeah, it looked like a really small kind of pit area, and you just see heads bouncing and, like, bopping up along. It's pretty cool. Like, when you're not getting your head kicked in, and when you don't have to worry about people stage diving and crushing you, then it can be pretty fun, yeah. What did you think about Mike's solo in this? I thought that this was just a loud screecher, just scorching hot here. Yeah, yeah, total Van Halen mode. Was this the best even flow of the three? Ooh, I don't know. Last week's was pretty good. Know. It was. Den Hog is a little tame mm-hmm. by comparison, but I think Tivoli is probably the best of the three. Okay. This was pretty good. I felt like this had yeah. a lot of the energy that you want from this song. And, and and I don't know if they were a little too distracted in Tivoli for it not to work, but they played it second song, so nobody was really interrupting or anything. Both and you get, very you get it. Yes. And you get Ed singing Stone's part at the end of the little jam too he's he's singing the guitar lines yeah you know he was feeling it i mean that's the thing about the show is ed's just it feels like he's in love with every song like he's oh yeah any song starts he feels like he's the happiest guy in the world to be there singing it just stoked on every song 
And of course, you gotta mention here, as he did in Tivoli, or I should say, as he did in Utrecht, ends with never go to Rotterdam. So he's bringing the local community into the fold here as they kind of end their journey in, in Holland and kind of look back and, and enjoy the whole thing. So, all right, here's a big storyline, and it's going to tie into what we thought was going to be an even bigger storyline, but there's stuff to talk about. So Ed checks in on Dave a little bit, then he starts singing. He starts singing Straight to Hell by The Clash. Straight to hell, boy. Go straight to hell, Now, this has a tie-in, because if you didn't know, Straight to Hell, it's on Combat Rock, it was pretty much the basis, like there's a lyric in there that mentions Mama San. And that has pretty much been confirmed that that's where the Mamasan tape name came from. So that's an important part of Pearl Jam history that doesn't come up in any other show. Like the one or two lines that he did during this, and that's it. But it's such a unique and important connection because I think without Ed's relationship with The Clash, without the importance of their music, then we don't have a Mama-san tape like we do. Like, this is an yeah. inspiration for literally the first ever thing that happened in Pearl Jam. Yeah, and I think in the stories, too, like, he was working at a Joe Strummer concert in yes. San Diego and, like, Correct. saw that's where he met Jack or something. They they were both there. Yeah. Jack was playing with Joe Strummer, maybe? I don't remember. They have I think 11 might have been story. opening something yeah, like yeah. that. Another connection there. But, yeah, for this song to be to be on his mind here and I, I can't believe this is the only time you know if you had asked me i would have thought there would have been three or four of them but yeah this is the only one yeah unfortunately that this would be of. this would be a really good one to bring back nowadays just like oh, a yeah. tribute yeah. to 30 years and stuff like that kind of a wink wink nudge nudge like what if this was on a daughter tag like how fantastic would that be oh, it'd be great yeah absolutely and part of the Joe Strummer story about him going, and I think he was a crew member who was kind of mm -hmm. just doing some roadie stuff. I think the thing about that story, he was backstage and he saw some of Joe Strummer's guitars lined up and kind of looked around. He's like, all right, nobody's looking. And he picked one up and he starts playing, should I say or should I go? And that's... I think part of the legend, part of the lore, but he, I think actually met Joe that night. And I think they kind of talked a little bit and I don't know what the conversation was about, but there's the picture. I think it's in the PJ 20 book. I think too, there's the picture of them together. Mm -hmm. So the clash, the only band that matters. And maybe it was the most important band that mattered at this time period for Pearl Jam. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? All right. State of love and trust is early in the set this time. There's a lot of this that's happening. Mike and Ed are going back to back. Cool. And there are a couple times in this show, even in the rest of the song, that Ed and Mike go at it, Ed, Ed and Jeff go at it, where they're just like testing each other. And what I have they're to like say about kids. Mike here, they're acting like little kids. Sure, yeah. And, and what I have to say here, you, you kind of forget how young they are, you know? 
mid twenties, twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, right, mid twenties, but they're kind of still a little bright eyed and bushy tailed in a way. They're sure. you know they have mature thoughts, but they just want to mess around. They just want to horse around because that's what they know. The energy is flying when you're young and all that. So yeah, that happens, but. Back to Ed and Mike here. At first, they're just kind of back-to-back. Mike's running around the stage creating a little chaos. And then we go back to Mike and Ed. And this is pretty much during the solo. They're wrestling each other. They're legit having a wrestling match. And Mike is on the floor. Ed's got him in what looked like like a headlock or something like that. And Mike doesn't miss a goddamn note in that solo. to have that kind of command and focus to have your singer just fuck with you and not miss a note like you said like very impressive it was fun to watch and it makes a difference when you know that they're having fun like it adds more energy to the show and like you can still feel it you know 30 years later just the energy coming off the stage very very cool just momentous waves of transferring over from song to song here and even at this point you can tell this is a little bit different then every night that we've done has just been a little bit unique. So this one stands out in its own way for sure. All right, Ed, back to addressing the crowd. He says, I sure am glad that it feels good tonight. We've had six shows in Holland, and all of them except for last night were so good. Now, I don't know what made Eindhoven not good. It seemed like somebody lost their glasses. It seemed like... There was a girl in a neck brace. I'm not sure if she's about to come back up here because we're about to talk about a young girl here. But it just felt like the band really had enough of the bullshit. And maybe that's what kind of turned them off to it. I'm not sure. It could have just been trolling as well. Like, oh, the people from last night. Like, No, he seemed legit pissed at that. He seemed like kind of like, no, fuck that show. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, again, I think that one is available. I think the boot, and I think maybe even some video is available. But yeah, just weird. Like you speak so highly of the other ones, and then that—that's the one you bash. But maybe we'll dig in that to that one another point. But it says it's a great feeling of people here. And then at Melkweg, which is the Amsterdam show from February, somebody landed on this girl that I just mentioned when they were stage diving, and then the girl gets to come on stage. I think they said her name was Chrissy. Chris, that or right? Chris, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Brings the girl on stage and says she's had a neck brace on for three weeks. Points out her twin sister and says it's good she's being taken care of tonight. I'm just glad she's still alive. Transition. Segway. This version, I thought Dave was a standout on this. Like, <laughs> the symbols really resonated in this version is just hidden at it so hard but again it's everybody with the energy everybody is up to top speed with this but something about hearing dave on this version like just peaked my ear and like ooh, okay that's good that's better than usual 
and everybody's going at it full force. They're going at it at a 10 to 11 speed, you know what I mean? Definitely. And whenever the song starts, and I'm always like, I'm just watching Stone and Jeff to see what they're going to do. And again, it's that perfect 1992 groove sound to Alive that Stone has. Like, I never get tired of hearing it. And yes, like the studio version of Alive, it's been a long time since I've sat down and like, let me listen to the studio version of Alive. But after hearing all the 2000s ones that we do and even some of the late 90s ones where it changed and like it's such a different thing now but going back to this is just like oh, it adds so much energy to it the way that Stone and Jeff play it it's, oh, it's so good and then you do get the War Pigs tag here too something that we've talked about a lot through the years so cool to get that here too another good visual Ed and Jeff pogoing together that was very yep. very cool yep. then Ed trips over the front house speaker while headbanging just yeah just not the last so time you could do that just, just a crazy crazy night for just weird shenanigans and things happening of Alive, Ed plays Water Pit Man again and feeds the garden. Ask a crowd member, how do you say black? And the guy responds, and I'm not sure what the guy says, but Ed walks away saying, I have no idea what he just said. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't (laughs) tell what it was. Yep. Hell, I'm going to Google it right now. What the fuck? (laughs) Oh, this is funny. So the Dutch word for black is zwart. At least that's how... It reads in in English, Z-W-A-R-T. I would have never guessed that would be black. Dutch is a strange language. Is it played off of, and I know that that Schwartz means black. Uh, I I wonder if it's it's a playoff because it's it's literally wart and and Z is at the end. And that's like Schwartz is more, I guess, Eastern European. Actually, Schwartz is German, I should say. Hmm. They're saying it. I'm, I'm hearing this. Zwart. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that's probably yeah Smart. that that makes sense all right let's actually get into the song this just blossoms and even at times just gets a little heavy and starts progressing really well mike comes in hits the solo and and it feels like versions of this time are, are kind of leading to getting to that really heavy part and getting into real electric versions of this and i thought that this was pretty top-notch in that territory it just incredibly tight and ramping up towards the end and getting the little we belong together tag at the end too is very very good and this one too i noticed ed's doing a lot of emoting like he's got his hands all over his face he's like covering things up and he's almost telling a story like with his hands the whole time that was really cool to see it's not something you see all the time and then it was a little weird, like, when they got to the, the backup vocals, you know, we were used to hearing Jeff and Stone, like, nail this thing, but Jeff didn't have a microphone at this show. I think it was uh, it was just Stone, so that was a little weird. Don't know why he wouldn't have had the microphone there. Stone's holding up the ship, so... Sure, sure. Sounded pretty good. 
yeah, this was all three shows. This was essentially the same spot for Black. I think Alive, all three shows, also was the lead into Black. So while other things, they want to switch up, you know, the, the openers, they want to switch out the second song from being even flowed at once. Here, like, they know, okay, this combo sounds pretty good. Alive is kind of like your mid-set. It was essentially what even flow is now, and then Black kind of takes you down a little bit. And that's a point I want to get to later when we get to Garden in the encore. But we move on. Deep is the next song. There was no bass crunch on Deep here, which I think makes the Tivoli version even more special. And now it's Ed and Stone doing the back-to-back thing. But I think the most important aspect of this version is at the end, we don't see it actually happening, but we see Mike standing there with a smashed guitar. Yep. Half and just, of a guitar. And we're like, where the fuck did this come from? As this is all going down, like Ed's like, oh, what happened? What happened over there? And you just see the camera pan over, and Mike's there with a half of a guitar. It's just the pick guard and the bass of the guitar and maybe a string or two, but it's really nothing. And Mike is just kind of holding it up like, this just what I got. There like, guys, guys. We have an issue. Um, and I think Ed comes on and goes like, oh, he's only got two, so we'd be screwed if that happens to the other one. Right. I'm sure uh, he can as opposed to guitar. Yeah, as opposed to now when he's got 47 of them or whatever. Right. But he was getting aggro a little bit during the song, too. There was a point where Ed was on the floor going crazy, and you see Mike go over to the mic stand and just, like, bang it and, like, knock it over with the neck of his guitar. So he was definitely, like... He was getting a little aggro on that thing. Really, I'm not surprised that that he went down and smashed it. But this is a really good version of Deep. Like a really visually interesting. Like a lot of stuff going on. It does get a little weird at the end. It gets a little cool. So, yeah, probably one of the highlights for me. this whole thing goes down jeff is kind of teasing mike and he says something along the lines of i think mike's mom bought that guitar for him and then goes off on just sort of making fun of him a little bit then he calls mike a whiny baby so (laughs) there's just fun teasing moments and then ed says the guy with the regular guitar i think he's referring to stone here if his got lost we'd have to change careers yeah yeah so accurate and that gets you into jeremy after that and this is where, for the first time that I was able to tell, we have our first diver of the night. Yep, they're and back. Jeremy was a huge problem, maybe the biggest problem from the two other shows, that the guy kept getting interrupted and, and people started trying to get on Ed and, and stuff like that, and Ed starts getting pissed. But Jeremy had a rough go at it in Holland. Yeah, did. And there's even one where... I think we see the first appearance of the seven foot guy. Ed, like, yeah. he runs by and he goes, You're big. Right. <laughs> like, he sees him, like, jump out in the crowd, but still a good version. The ending of this is fantastic. 
I was about to say, without all the bullshit that's happening, and I was trying to get that point out in the last two episodes, that Jeremy from 1992 really gets pretty intense at the end, and because of all that happens, you sort of lost the sense of that. You sort of lost the appreciation for that, because all you're seeing is just heads flying all over the place, and it was just a little distracting. But yes, you're able to enjoy it here, and it's very, very good. Absolutely. left but one kind of important talking moment in in a minute or two ed's mic basically dies during this what happens you slightly hear him and then it's like an instrumental essentially after that in the moment where the band goes silent and it's supposed to be ed kind of chanting along with the crowd you just hear the crowd and that's awesome yeah an energy fill like it's again full of energy but they don't have a mic for all this I don't know. I don't know if someone in the that, that was a stage diver issue, if something got knocked down or whatever. Mm. But the, another funny kind of off mic thing is Mike goes over to them and starts shaking his ass at the crowd during the song <laughs> while all that is happening. Like, oh, that's a teaser. Yeah, exactly. Again, just very entertaining to watch. Not a dull moment in the show. Yeah, everybody's in a good mood. They're feeling pretty good. I think they want to get the most out of their last trip in Holland, as we mentioned. Sure. They were feeling good about this, so not surprising at all. And so much less weight is on their mind with no interruptions or anything. And again, you just bring it up because it is an important storyline facet. 
Stone, I think, is kind of stalling for time here, and he asks if everybody's having a good time. Mike takes the shard of the leftover fretboard, <laughs> and Ed says he's going to play a little air guitar, and Mike yeah. does some funny little pantomiming going between the legs and stuff like that. So while Mike is, is in a great mood at this show, and he seems like he just wants to be the Joker, which is not typical of him in 1992. He's a little bit more shy than being like this, but it shouldn't get lost in the equation that he has a killer show actually playing yeah. the guitar when it's not an air Definitely. guitar in this. He, it was a huge highlight in this show. Absolutely. But this is also, too, where we're going to do a little pandering, and Ed starts goes to all the different band members. We're going to get a little, he's doing a little survey. Let's do that right now. Of any of the places we've been in America, he's addressing Stone first. Any of the places we've been to America or Europe, if you can move somewhere, where would you move? Stone answers first and says, I think I'd move to Holland. Of course. Big rousing applause, but not here. This place sucks. (laughs) Stone is a perfect Uh, sarcasm. Again, they just discovered sarcasm in just a couple of years prior. Stone would be the perfect heel kind of messing with the crowd like that. And that works. Then he goes to Jeff. Jeff's not having it. He's calling him out on it. He's like, what is this, the the Clarence Clemens part of the show? We're just going around and let everyone talk? It's funny that he says that because that's essentially what Pearl Jam shows are now. Yep, yep. And Jeff, right, Jeff doesn't really get into the conversation at all. It's Mm. usually just Ed talking to us. And sometimes Mike gets on a little bit. I I feel like Mike gets on more than than Jeff or, or Stone does. Especially nowadays, but just very funny for him to say that, like comparing it to Bruce Springsteen and all that. So they weren't really telling the big stories just yet, but uh, give it a couple of years and it's going to come. Absolutely. Goes up to Dave and Dave says to the grasshopper in Amsterdam to massive jeers. I would assume that the grasshopper is probably like a coffee shop or something like that. A quote-unquote coffee shop. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that that's part of that, and that's kind of part of who Dave is, so makes sense. And then Ed kind of follows that up, and and Mike doesn't get asked this because Mike has half of a guitar, of course. But Ed says, I really don't like Amsterdam that much, but this place is really cool. So Ed, the ultimate babyface. He points out the crew and goes on for a little bit, and, and it's like, I didn't even write down what he was saying because I'm just like, what is this? It's kind of not vital to the story, but then at the end, he's like, okay, somebody tell the singer to shut up. And then they go (laughs) into Porch, which is going to end your main set right here. Right into the solo. Stone is on the Hendrix. Voodoo Child starts getting tagged a little bit. Ed starts singing along, too. That was a very cool moment.
there's a lot of pandemonium going on stage and once again Mike is kind of front and center because Mike makes sure he's front and center. He goes to center stage and busts out another big solo and makes a kind of uh, and Eddie Van Halen would kind of do like take that spotlight and, and sort yeah. of be in the forefront of that which is not really his style he'll kind of do other things to spotlight him but he after that he's in the crowd and he's still playing the solo while he's, he's going surfing in the crowd well Ed actually like leans him back into the crowd surf because he's playing guitar he's not going like, to jump in the crowd so right. he, he has he's Ed kind of guidance. like guide him down into the crowd like a trust fall or something backwards down in the crowd yeah it's really interesting never seen that before at a show and just again shenanigans galore like people are on the floor people are jumping around there's more climbing we get another climb up the speaker Ed's jumping off and like just always something happening in these these songs here it's just insane Ed and Mike are going back to the back to back part and they're like scrambling on the floor Ed chants along with the crowd and yeah he, he jumps off that speaker and I think it was kind of similar to what happened in Utrecht where it was kind of off camera but we know what he was going to do because he did it in the sound check it looked like the same exact speaker in the same exact spot that he was doing it from but we actually get to see yeah. it on video this time yeah. I think it's probably considered tame for the time but he's still doing something and he still finds a way to get it in there that's that's the important part the song finishes out strong and and then you're gonna close your main set and then you're gonna come back for an encore this is only a 10 song main set it felt like maybe this one had a little less major talking points than the other two did but it went by really fast it went by really fast when watching i will say that yeah it does all right we're at the encore let's pause for station identification talk about a couple of things let's talk about liveinfourlegs.com first because we just put out an article last week a feature that we were really proud of doing and we got to talk and thanks to dave jantosh from uh, livefootsteps.org who got us in touch with alex and alex wanted to share his collection with us he got it pretty recently and he was trying to i guess he went to dave because he was trying to figure out a couple set lists and and what shows they were from and dave pushed him in the right direction and all that and then he's like well what can you do with live on four legs and what alex is looking to do is he's looking to take all these items and he's looking to donate it to to mopop so they can feature it at the museum for the rest of the pearl jam exhibit is up which I only think is up till next year. So it, it, there's not a lot of time left, but it's, it's something we're going to work on. It's something we're going to try. But I ask of all of you, if you haven't seen this yet, go read it. It's a wonderful story. There's stories about the band that you probably had no idea even existed. We start off the feature by talking about paintings that Ed drew before the Brixton Academy show in 93. Nobody knew about something like that, you know, that just things yeah, out of the woodwork. There's an unknown set list that we try to kind of break a mystery on. We don't have an answer to it. But if you can push us in the right direction somehow and confirm that, then check it out, read it and, and see if you can help out. It's something from 1991. So, again, probably not a lot of people have access to something like that. But it's good to just say it anyway, in, in case somebody that does. And yeah, just everything. And then culminating, he tells a story at the end about his 
show that he went to and and how his holy grail is the Toronto 98 show, which is the last show that he went to. And he went with a friend named Bill. He considered him his best friend. And Bill in 2000 passed away from a car accident. And what I didn't know that was sprung up the day of when I when I messaged Alex and asked him what he thought of the piece, he messaged and he's like, I just realized that you put this out on the 22nd anniversary of Bill's death. And I just was, sometimes those things feel coincidental, but it feels like it was, it was done for the right reason. Mm. Like that's maybe uh, subliminally Alex's way of, of paying tribute to Bill for all those years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Almost like a subconscious thing. Yeah. That's really cool that it, that worked out like that. That's a nice kind of postscript to the whole thing, but yeah, yeah, definitely go, go and check that out if you guys haven't. It's an amazing story. Yep, and look, more is coming on LiveOnFourLegs.com. We're going to try to get one or two features out every week. More is coming on the Live on Four Legs YouTube channel. You don't hear us talking about that a lot, but the last two weeks, I've been putting out tier lists, and I've been ranking basically all album songs and putting them in positions, and you'll be able to see when you see the videos, but it's it's good, and I think that it gives a little bit of insight. It's not just like, my opinion is better than yours, and this song sucks, and this song doesn't. I kind of switch it up a little bit, and we've actually recorded up till binaural by now, and the goal is, and the way that we've been recording them is through Facebook Live on the... Pearl Jam Podcast Community Group Facebook page. So if you aren't on that, join, because like that's a blast. We have things going on there all, all the time. But on Friday nights, I usually go and I live stream, talk to people, and do the tier list live. And that makes it fun. That makes it for a fun experience and getting the interaction there. So the next one this week will probably be Riot Act and Avocado. That's crazy that we're already up to that point, but here we are. So if you're interested in that, the YouTube channel, it's just Live Before Lux Podcast on YouTube. You can follow it, and it's pretty easy to find, I suppose. Let's go to Patreon now, and Patreon had a nice little busy week. We released our Saturday Night Live 1994 show, probably the most important TV appearance of Pearl Jams, because they were coming off of the Kurt Cobain death, and they were given the very, very rare opportunity to play three songs, which is unheard of, Not For You, which was basically being debuted to the mass public for the first time outside of the couple of shows that they played it at, and then one of the best versions of any song in their entire live catalog in Rearview Mirror. So we get to talk about a lot of good things, especially the rehearsals and some of the Ed teaser shoots and stuff like that with Opperman and, and Emilio Estevez, who was starring in, in Mighty Ducks 2 at the time. So it's good things to talk about. I think it was, it was a pretty good show. That's part of our late night series that we do over there. So that's out. I want to thank some people because we had a busy week for new members. The first person I want to thank is Danny Tathlow. She's been active on the Facebook community group and she's always interacting and, and it's great to see her do that. And she just bumped up her Patreon donation to the Giggle Egg tier, which is great and very, very nice of you. And, and I just want to spot you out and, and thank you for that. You've been really yeah, thanks, good to Danny. us. And then I want to thank Lisa Fennerty. She just joined as well. She paid for the year subscription 
of the bonus leg tier, which is fantastic. And that's what I recommend to everybody because if you want to pay through that, it's only $10 for the whole entire year. And if you just pay through the bonus leg, you're paying $12, $1 over the course of every month. And you got to deal with credit card changes and bullshit like that. Patreon's not very useful for some of those things. So the yearly is, is what I recommend and suggest. And then, of course, the last person I want to thank is Alex Sink, who is the feature on the article. He was nice enough to chip in for the Horizon tier, and he's like, guys, I don't need a show request. I don't need anything. You, I, I just want to support you guys. But guess what? I mean, we got to retell the story on podcast form at some point. So we're going to do Toronto 98 at some point in the future. We yeah, have to. Yeah. We have to. So, again, thank you to Lisa, Danny, and Alex. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Good week. Yeah, thank you very much. And if you want to sign up for Patreon, again, mention the tiers. The dollar bonus leg tier is going to get you everything on the site. The gig leg tier is going to get you a request to the show. And then the horizon leg tier is going to get you a profile episode. It's going to get you a profile on the website. And it's also going to get you a request like everything else. And then you'll have access to everything as well. We thank everybody that that's been a part of this. And and that kind of fuels us and, and gets us to do more content. And I hope that everybody that listening in that is a patron right now is taking advantage of that because it's, I don't take it lightly when I say this. I know that the main platform stuff is is very, very good. I'm very, very proud of it, as is John. But the Patreon stuff, I feel like we go to another level to give you guys that content like it's next level stuff everything that we do over there from the evolution episodes, which are fantastic and the late night episodes, which I mentioned before with SNL. Everything we do, we we really put a lot of heart and a lot of research into it. So just like the show. It's just very good. It's coming from different scopes and different perspectives for different subject matter. You know, we do full shows on this and we do a history of one song that could have been played like 200 times. We go through most of them and try to figure out what the history is. And we've done full shows over there too. You're going to get sure access to, to a bunch more regular episodes of stuff. And then it's all just building towards, you know, when this tour comes back. And I know we're, we're all kind of still waiting for that announcement. Kind of we've been waiting for a while. But all that is leading up to us going really big when these shows come back. And we're going to try to do some really cool stuff for you guys because that's going to be, you know, again, really the first tour that's happened since the podcast has been started. Oh, my goodness. So, so yeah, now's a great time to jump on. You know, like Randy said, if just join on that bonus leg level, check it out. Go back through the posts, find some of the the old stuff that we've done, all the evolution episodes, the bridge school stuff. All that bonus content is there. Check it out, see if you like it, and and just take it from there. But yeah, you know, we're gonna we got big plans for when this tour comes around. Absolutely, guys. Yep, patreon.com slash live and four legs or the Patreon app, search live and four legs or live and four legs.com. There's a button that says become a patron. All options are easy. Now, you just got to find what you can afford to chip in. And look, if you can't afford to chip in at this time, that's totally fine. We understand and we love the support for the main platform episodes as well. We're just glad that you guys are are tuning in either every week or every other week or as much as you are. So thank you guys for doing that. You guys are important to the show as well. All right, back into The Rock. A lengthy crowd applause and very rowdy before the band comes back on stage. The, The crowd was really good there just showing 
that they were hungry for a lot more. And then Dave kind of begins a beat. Ed says, all of a sudden, I don't recognize my own band. The camera pans over, and Mike and Jeff are shirtless with what looks to be jean shorts on. <laughs> and, okay, that's that's a little appetizer. That's a little appetizer right there. It's, it's not the main course. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But... That's kind of the, the, the precursor for what you're going to unfortunately see. So, all right, here is the improv. show from five horizons and then five horizons went to two feet thick and then live footsteps kind of picked up on the information it all kind of came out as straight to hell in this little spot which turned out not to be true yes does does not happen it doesn't and i think what's good from the standpoint of what we're doing is that we're going back we're listening to all this stuff and we are kind of in the driver's seat to, to make these changes and, and put these changes out there to make people aware this is what actually happened. At the time, I'm sure Five Horizons probably wrote the 1992 stuff very early on in their stint and never went back. Might have been someone that just sent it into them, like they sure. secondhand. Like, right. yeah, p- people get confused, like it happens. Yeah. And it's kind of pre digital age, too. So yeah, don't. Definitely. Look, and, and Dave has so many set lists that he goes through, and he's meticulously gone through everything. I don't expect him to listen to everything, but, you know, we've kind of been another eye for him to kind of be like, hey, here's some tags, here's some, some of this. And while this was the thing I was looking forward to the most, it unfortunately didn't happen like it said it was going to happen on paper, but we do get an improv. Improv is an improv, and, and that's not a bad thing. It's about leaving but wanting to stay, and I think that's kind of the idea of we don't want to leave Holland, and I think it kind of fits what the whole show is about. And 
it's got a nice groove and Ed's stretching on the vocals here. You know, it, it sounds pretty good for an improv. Did it sound a little bit like even flow to you? Like it, it had I a little bit of an even flow feel it to kinda, it. Yeah. It kind of had like Bot creates a Pearl Jam song kind of feel. Hmm. And what would he take from other Pearl Jam songs and other rhythm sections and stuff like that? So it didn't feel out of Pearl Jam's range, but it, I don't know if it specifically felt like a certain one. Okay, there, there was, I think there was a, the way he was singing, the way he was he was starting off. I think the the melody was very very close to even flow, but then you do get a little bit more of the Utfaduma here. He throws that in a couple yeah. more times, and at the end he, you know, oh, the song's called Rotterdam, so a little bit of like city gets a little bit of their own song there it kind of reminded me of the moline song yeah uh, a little bit except songs, not fucked up songs three about times. cities yeah yeah but again you know it talks about leaving all of a sudden i feel like staying it's typical when you find some place you really want to stay so yeah just kind of bittersweet that they're going to be moving on and they, they can't just stay in this like prolonged adolescence like these amazing shows with these great crowds and like i'm sure they were just having the time of their lives so following all that up is Garden to be the first actual song in the encore. And I kind of mentioned this in Black, and this is what I was going to go back to with Garden here, is that Black seems like you're cool down for the main set, even though it yeah. does ramp up yeah. and get heavy. Essentially, it's a mid-tempo song. And Garden is kind of like almost when you, when you begin an encore with it and i say begin kind of in air quotes here because the improv is technically beginning it but you know you get to a real song and garden is is the meat of what you're getting into and i think they did it a lot on these couple shows that we've done and it feels like almost a precursor to what we get now where the first song is kind of building you back in like a wash does like an oceans does like a release does and at the time garden was really their only other song that wasn't a typical opener that that would do this so it really makes sense to throw garden in here yeah it was kind of the outlier especially live you look at that set and you're like where does garden fit in there's no real good place to put it so yeah a lot of times it got relegated to this encore slot I thought that this was just blossoming at the end, and it was oh, just... Jeff just grooving like he mm-hmm. is in a place on this thing. Yeah, it's one of the more wild versions for Mike. Like Mike's really going off on it, and shrieking the vocals at the end, and then at the end you kind of hear that last dum 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 dum, and that reminded me of the 2006 metal Soundgarden intro version. Hmm. I, I don't know if it's an actual precursor to that, but at the end, it just got so heavy that like I couldn't take the comparison off my mind. Yeah, a lot of that is, is Dave, too, I think, that he hits hard and he can go heavy on that. He probably would have been a really good metal drummer at one point. I think you're right, yep. Yeah, Dave has a big presence in the song, and I think it kind of takes over and everybody's able to follow up on that and, and reach his level for sure. In the middle here... There's a crew member kind of coming on stage and maybe switching over a mic stand or something like that, picking up a mic stand, and Ed kind of rides on his back, like riding a bull or something like that. Stone looks at them and calls them lovers, and then Ed says, he raped me, I didn't love him at all. That's stuff that they wouldn't say now, of course. Yeah, rape jokes is not not where you want to be here. Uh, Not cool there. No, didn't like that. Nope. So, Uncomfortable. Especially when in the first show that we did in the series, they 
sung a song that was essentially a complete anti-rape song. So yeah, again, I just don't understand the yeah. They were they were still young though. They were still young though, so it's like they couldn't not not fifteen. They were in no, their mid twenties. I know, but I think that just the thought process, that, like they can't control what comes out of their mouth, kind of deal. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of the boys' club mentality, being on tour in a van with, yeah. with a bunch of the guys, like yeah. yeah, locker room mentality. We give them a lot of credit for being ahead of their time and being very pro women and and kind of anti this stuff, but they're. Still, Ed kind of just doesn't have a filter, you know? Right. He can't filter it out. So that's part of it. But that's, it's again, the past and won't hold it to him now. But Ed says, you guys have been really nice tonight to this band, but I think you are nice to all bands from America. At least you're nice to bands from Seattle and you don't have to be. There was some more booing after the the American thing. So I think they were the other Right, they were trying to pick up from that. Yeah. Yeah, the other crop of bands from america in 1992 not not the best some exceptions but yeah and then he goes oh just just seattle then just seattle so and then that that leads mike to do the the outshined i bet they won't be as nice to you i bet they won't but they won't even care if you're getting killed up front they'll just keep playing vocals ripping on leash and the pace of the song doesn't feel like flat out go flat out complete rapid pace and this one has like it's kind of groove you know it's kind of like feeling out the song and kind of giving it a pace and i think it's not a bad thing either way i think right here is a good example of just other ways to skin cats on the song and then trying something else and this is essentially what the pace would be like for the record yeah that's true especially like Ed notices Stone too, and then goes over to him, and they have a little cool moment where they're kind of like Ed's feeling Stone's rhythm on it. Like that was cool to see. But then you get the stage divers return in, in mm-hmm. full force. But these guys seem to understand those rules that you were mentioning last week. Don't yeah, stay a little on bit stage. Better. A little bit better. Don't stay on stage for more than you're you're welcome, and don't touch the band. I, I think that while they were going off and they were kind of coming and going a little bit more. I think they understood, like, don't fuck around with this, because it's literally going to be the last two songs that they play. Just don't fuck up their last minutes in Holland, you know? But I don't know if they're thinking that. Whatever. Jeff and Ed have have a good moment in this, too, where they're now doing the back-to-back treatment, Mm. and Jeff is singing in Ed's mic, which is cool. Yeah, it gets to help out on the vocals a little bit. Yeah, that was cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we get an improv here real quick. Back to the city, I'm running, I'm running, I'm back to the city, I'm running, 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 I
the beginning is reminiscent to saying no, right? A little bit. Like, that's the same thing he does in saying no, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it could have been part of the same lineage of stuff, yeah. It sounds like for a sec that just give him another second song and they were going to bust into it, mm-hmm. but... It's just very, very quick. I wouldn't even yeah, call yeah. it an improv. It's sort of like a... Just a jam. Yeah. Just a jam while they're kind of transitioning, while Mike is probably doing something and leaving the stage to do it. So here we are. The last song in the set is I've Got a Feeling. And I want to preface this by saying on Five Horizons that the only detail that they have for this show is it says another wild fabulous holland show the video guide really tells the story of the show in other words it must be seen to be believed and while reading that i'm like okay there's nothing about like songs or speeches or anything like that that's a little weird because they were very detailed and scripted for some of the other holland shows so that, that that's that's kind of an outlier there there's some stuff that happens in the show that that could be talked about so what is it that they're referring to and going on this whole entire show, I'm like, okay, when, when's it going to come? When's it going to come? And let's uh, let's just get to points in this to build up to that moment. So let's let's take this piece by piece here. In the beginning, Ed takes a Polaroid of the crowd, checks for time, getting one last in there, and we get a couple more stage divers here. Now, Ed mentioned something. thinking to myself oh he's just kind of fucking around okay all right whatever he was already full monty by that point uh yeah oh yeah so okay it just pans over so you don't see it you don't know (laughs) you don't know it's there and just 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 casually panning over panning over oh my god he's butt fucking naked he's butt fucking naked that's a very awkward way to put that how is that awkward? That's what he is. You see his butt. Bare ass naked. Yes, he is fully unclothed. The little Mike is out. Uh, and uh, it's funny because, like, I don't know if, like, everyone noticed it first. Like, they're, like there's, there are stage divers, like, coming on and, like, getting very close to him. And it's like, I don't know if they noticed that, like, there's a naked dude right there playing guitar. Like... Yeah, it's just, I think this is, was this the one that was hinted at at one of the 2010 shows? He's like, oh, Mike, Mike used yeah. to get naked at the shows. Like, yes, and I, I think it was a 2014 show. It might have been Leeds, yeah. if, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. but yeah. He, he kind of addresses Mike. He says, didn't you get naked somewhere? And, and I think Mike says, oh, yeah, that was in Ireland. I ran the streets of Ireland naked. Yeah, right, right. So I think that's a slight reference to this, yes. It, uh, this is probably, you know, well, I would say probably definitely not the only time that that happened, but... No. Just yeah, that that's kind of starts the the debauchery on this, and like Ed comes on. Oh, I thought this was a straight edge band. <laughs> right. <laughs> Evidently and, not. And I want to say that I said the butt fucking naked, and I just want to preface this as you know, and I didn't think of it anything like it because in the Book of Mormon, there's a character that calls himself General Butt Fucking Naked. So oh, okay. that's that's where I got that from. Oh, okay. 
I'm thinking to myself, like, what did they learn from being on tour with the Chili Peppers for months, you know? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. that kind of stuff, where yep. the Chili Peppers were going out with tube socks and stuff like that. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, I, at first I was, I was trying, like, I wasn't really inspecting, but I was like, does he have something actually on? Is he really just full, full out? Like, Luckily, it's a VHS, very grainy video. It is. There's not a lot of clarity. There's a shot where Mike is sort of casually turning around and I guess not remembering. He's just playing and he's just talking to somebody in the back, probably Jeff or somebody like that. And he turns around and for like three seconds you see full crack. And you're just like, where did this all go wrong? What's nice is his guitar is covering his genitals, so you don't get to for see For the most anything. part, for the most part. Yeah. There, there, are, there are a couple of full frontal shots. I didn't see any actual nudity from the front, but I saw... It's, it's there. Okay, I saw that his guitar was kind of bumping up and down a little bit, and I don't know if he was doing that on purpose, and then Ed was kind of staring at him at one point. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it was purposely not looking down, or I just didn't catch it. So, yeah. maybe it's for the best. Yeah, just and just one of those things. But, again, it's, you know, we talked about it. We could go where, one by one, they, they, were, they would kind of start to check out. Mike is the first one to just give up on the show and, like, <laughs> put the guitar down, walks off, done. Yeah, and I think that kind of happens with everybody and Jeff gives oh, his yeah. bass over and, and this is one of the to a fan it looked like out. someone it yeah, has it was, to be it has yeah. to be somebody that was Dutch because the guy was like you mentioned seven foot tall and had like a typical Dutch boy kind of haircut you know a little bit yeah and Blonde Ed takes and, yeah. Ed takes the guitar from Mike which like at least like wipe it down before. Well, no, I think I think that was it. Stone's guitar because after was that it? Stone Stone checks out. Oh, Stone he does just check puts out. out, walks off. I thought and it I was think that, Mike's I thought Ed like picked ground up Stone's guitar. guitar. I don't know. I have to go back. It, it looked like a Strat, but okay, okay, okay. that that can be discussed for another time. But yeah, Ed goes over and he's like, "All right, let's let's kind of let's jam together, big dude." They're trying to work out something, yeah. And you know what? This guy is better than Jason Miller. Oh yeah. Definitely. By by far, he's he uh, he definitely knows how to play. When Mike runs out, by the way, running backstage to perhaps you know put some shorts on or whatever, he's like rushing back there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's like, I gotta get the fuck out. I don't know if like a wind came through and he's like, nope, I'm <laughs> I'm done. I'm out. But yeah, uh, that's that's one of the more interesting ways to end a Pearl Jam show. That I've ever seen, and I don't think we'll. Yeah, ever... you'll never, you'll never see any shows end like that again. Nope, nope. And guess what? Five Horizons was right when they said it had to be seen to be believed. Yeah. And even after that, it's like, all right, I don't believe what I just saw, but it did happen. So, ah, <sighs> all right. There's another Polaroid at the end. Ed, he takes a turn and he comes back, takes another Polaroid. And then what comes on the PA system as soon as they stop playing? Did you catch it? Did you watch till the very, very end? No, I didn't catch it. I think I was just like, all right, I've, I've had enough with this. I got the essential of the song, yeah. which is a, is a big 10-minute jam. It's fun. They immediately put on Nevermind. And really? It's, it's, it's Nirvana at the end, yeah. yeah. Uh, like first track? Like te- Smells I, Like Teen Spirit? I think so. Huh. Okay. I missed that. But yeah. 
interesting. At the very, very end. Interesting that, you know, you're kind of making transitions into a new era, and that's kind of like the MCU way. If this was an MCU movie and the I've Got a Feeling scene was in the end credits, Mm -hmm. and you hear Nirvana in the background, that's kind of telling you what the next sequence of Pearl Jam and Nirvana's MCU is, because it's literally, Yeah. yeah, it's right there. So, all right, we got moments to rank here i think this is one is a very difficult one to find three from because i think a lot of them are on just the same page energy wise and a lot of performances i didn't see as being top notch over the top i think that they were right with all the other performances that we saw the last two weeks so you get the baton this week okay what are you basing it off of what are you basing your rankings off of i'm gonna go Visually, you know, we we talked a little bit about the Five Horizons review that's like, yeah, you know, must be seen to be believed and the video guide really tells the story. And I mentioned a couple of times, like, there's just so much going on visually in the show. Like, there's not a dull moment. You really can't look away for for a second or you'll miss <laughs> something. So I'm going to go with the three that I thought had the most going on visually and the most interesting visually. My number three is is I've Got a Feeling for the nudity aspect like that's obviously a moment that people are going to remember and people are going to go back to and not something that happens all the time here's the thing is that because it wasn't mentioned on five horizons this would be the one place to find it i don't know if a lot of people know that this happened i really don't yeah yeah this isn't a show that a lot of people go back to probably no and you know what's really weird is that in pj20 you would think that on march 6 1992 Mike ended the night butt naked while playing I've Got a Feeling. You would think that it would uh, be in PJ20, but it's not. This video has been up on YouTube since 2017, and it has, you know, respectable, about 3,500 views. Not a ton, comparatively. There aren't a lot of people, like, queuing this up. Right. You know, and to, then some people are, time. Yeah. are probably tuning out towards the end because they're like, okay, it's I've got a feeling. So I'll kind of yeah. look away, yeah. whatever. This is kind of one of those weird untold stories. Yeah. All right. Go back into your uh, my uh, My number two, State of Love and Trust, with Ed and Mike wrestling and on the floor and just going nuts. Really good solo. Mike, again, Mike, you mentioned it, Mike, not missing a note on that solo while wrestling is very impressive. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. And my number one's deep. Just the smash in the guitar, Mike getting aggro on the mic stand, Ed's on the floor. It, it gets a little weird, like I was just transfixed watching it. And those might not have been the three best performances, but those are the ones that I got the most out of visually. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna kinda mix it up a little bit. I'm gonna do some that I thought performance wise were very good and some that I thought visually were was just excellent. I think I'm with you on State of Love and Trust with all the shenanigans that was happening there, and I was very impressed by Mike playing the whole entire thing without missing a note. I think that that's that's a moment that you just want to capture and very, very cool. So that's kind of half energy, half musical moment. And I think I'm just going to say I've got a feeling in there too because there's nothing else freaking like it ever. So it kind of needs to be notable in this fact. And like, I think you have a lot to talk about when you're writing and making a moment on this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You're going in depth. You got to go a little bit more in depth, John. My number one is alive. 
And I think that there okay. was so much energy that came from it. And it was probably the best performance-wise of the night. And, uh, you know, again, I, I think that Mike had a fantastic solo. Dave is a standout on just smashing at those cymbals I thought really sounded good. And then a Warpigs tag. I think there's just a lot of cool stuff that's going on in there. I think they really, really hit alive in the show. So that's my number one. All right. Cool. Let's rate the show. And once again, you're going first. Yeah, I'm straight up eight here. A lot of stuff going on, but a lot of it was was in between songs, and there wasn't really one performance that stood out. Like there has been the last couple of weeks, just like this is the best performance of the song that I've heard in forever, and like this is up there. It felt like it was kind of missing that. There was a lot of stuff going on in between songs, and a lot of extracurricular stuff going on on stage. So very very interesting to watch if you've never seen this go back and watch it you will not be bored i promise you i'm gonna give this one right at an eight yeah i'm uh i'm right there too and i think what i liked from the show was that there weren't a lot of distractions that the band was able to comfortably be themselves and comfortably get into the night and get into the energy and yeah that 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 really helped the visual aspect of it because it you know again with with Utrecht just seeing everybody jump in and out that took me out of a show that I think was probably better than everything that was going on if you have the layout of this show in Utrecht I think then Utrecht is very close to being a 10 or if not a 10 and yeah, this this one, I think I, I'm right with you there. Like, there's no very, very specific thing, at least performance-wise, that makes this kind of stand out amongst the rest. It's, I think it's important for the aspect of it being the final Holland show and kind of it being a transitional moment, but... Again, it's it's tough with the 1992 shows because they're they're not changing things up too much. Out of the three shows, this one probably doesn't have like the rarity moment and like the kind of special moment that maybe the first one did with saying no or alone. And eight is perfectly fine for it. it. There's there's no problems with the show at all. It kind of gave you the energy that you sort of missed pretty much a year later after this. So yeah, that's where we are double ochos and we have now finished the holland portion of the 30th anniversary of 1992 here next week is the big eight next week is mtv unplugged that's going to be a lot to talk about because obviously there are only like seven or eight songs that we get to talk about but there's so much more at play there's so much about how they got into the show there's so much about what happened after the show, what happened after it aired live. There's so much to get into talk about, and, and not for anything else, but the impact that it's had in the last 30 years and how for so many people, it really was the, the moment that cemented them being a lifelong Pearl Jam fan. So there's a lot going on with this, and I think there'll be a lot of cool extra things that we can throw in there a little bit. And again, this is probably one of the most important shows we'll ever do because there ain't another one. So I'm excited and I'm ready to talk about this. I'm ready to kind of hunker down with this and, and really get every aspect of this show. And I know that this is this is one you've really been waiting for, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a biggie, guys. And I hope you guys tune into this because... We don't have a lot of massive, massive shows like Unplugged. Usually we have a couple spiced in throughout the year. And 
we do have great ones. We do have notable ones. But I think that Unplugged is on such a high level. I don't think we're able to really match anything else that we're going to do this year. So this is probably going to be the most important show we do. And it's it's airing on the 30th anniversary of the recording date on March 16th. So just paying tribute everywhere we know how. Oh boy, this has been getting good. This is really good. And, and working through an era like this, it will help when we go into other stuff in the coming weeks and we're like, hey, haven't heard this song in a long time. We'll kind of have some rejuvenation with that while still really loving the 10 songs. Yeah, I'm almost like, give me something from Backspacer. I'm like, <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be great to get back to some of that stuff. Yeah, I think it'll be a while before we get into Backspace. We're, we're gonna for the rest of March. We're gonna stick in the '90s with a '98 yeah. and '96 show. So, but we'll nothing we'll, wrong with that. No, 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 not at all. I mean, preferable in some aspects, but yeah, we'll bounce in and out for sure, and we'll we'll try to get to everything that that's worth getting to. So. All right, I think there's not much more to be said except for just make sure if you're listening to the show, let people know that you're listening. Tweet it out. Share our content on social media. Share it on Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Twitter. We have lots of followers on Twitter. We keep getting more and more every week. So keep sharing stuff and maybe more and more people will see it and understand what we're doing over here. Understand the tribute that we're trying to pay to this band. And if you really like it, then go on Spotify go on Apple and just give us a rating on Apple. You can leave a comment and let people know what you think of the show. You know, uh, obviously I'll sway you in the direction of give us a five-star rating because that helps boost our appearance on the podcast platforms. But I also want you to be true to stuff because, you know, it's interesting when you can get a three and a four where you're kind of like, okay, what do we need to work on? Because look, everybody has a different viewpoint, different take. We just want to know where everybody is with this. We'll just do the spiel. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, I miss you already. I miss you always. It's a good thing that this show wasn't a visual show because it would have been very tough for a lot of people to get through. Maybe a lot of people would have liked it, but yeah, it's nothing like it in the whole entire Pearl Jam catalog. And I think that for a lot of people, we kind of just revealed something that, well, was already revealing. Now, a lot of people might know about it more. For next week, MTB Unplugged. See you then. Go straight to hell, boy. <laughs> <laughs>